get started. So, last week, last week we looked at basically why we worship, and meaning why we worship, because he is God, and because he is our creator. Today, it's such a short psalm, but today we're going to look at how we worship. So why we worship is because he is God and he is our creator. How we worship, what we actually do in worship. And I, I got challenged. I, I've probably preached this text a couple of times in my lifetime. Um, but I was challenged at one point to maybe rethink worship. Not dramatically, but to rethink uh, based on this psalm, which is uh, one of the most popular psalms in all of the psalms. So today we're going to look at what you do when you come into the temple. Or you could say it this way, modern day, what we do before we come in and as we enter the house of God, or as we see here today, our church, the house of God. Um, Rolf Jacobson in his commentary gave a good overview. It is the sort of song that one would expect at the beginning of worship. Its function being to move the worshiper physically and emotionally out of the mundane realm into the sacred realm. So I want you to get a picture, if you will, of people coming, at least in that day, coming to the temple in Jerusalem for worship. The first thing we want to look at this morning is that we are to come to church with joy. We are to come to church with joy. Look at verse 3. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So the gates obviously refer to the temple. If we look at this map here, this was at the time of Jesus. This would have been before uh, Jesus' time, this, this psalm. You can see right here there's two gates. There's a golden gate and there's a beautiful gate. There's Divisions as to which gate uh, the psalmist here is saying that they're to enter. But down up here, you'll see you have the woman's court, you have the men's court. Um, and there were all kinds of different gates around, but it's probably the Shushan gate or the golden gate, but it could also be the beautiful gate. Speaking of the golden gate, that is what it looked like at the time that this psalm would have been written. That would have been like the gate that they would have experienced going into the temple. So what we've got to look at here briefly is the psalmist writes, enter the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What this refers to is as the worshipers begin to enter the gates, Something was happening. And I started thinking about it this week. Uh, there's, an, there's the gate beautiful, by, by the way. But as, uh, and by the way, this gate, uh, kind of missed this one. One, uh, 1100 AD, crusaders blocked the entrance to keep Muslims out. But what we're looking at here right now is what we do every Sunday. So when it enter the gates with thanksgiving and praise, 
happens as the worshipers come in. So that tells me that uh, something took place in the home that morning that maybe the home was talking about all the wonderful things that God had done in their life. And so as they're coming to the temple to worship, there's already outside coming in, there's already a, a song of thanksgiving, a song of praise. They didn't just come to church and uh, sit down, and, but there was this atmosphere there was this atmosphere of joy as they entered, and that would be our gate. And some people come over here, that would be another gate. But as we come in to think about what we're getting ready to do as believers. So when we wake up in the morning, what are we talking about at the breakfast table? What, how are we preparing ourselves for worship? What do we need to change in our lives where when we come through that door, there is a spirit of joy and a spirit of expectation and that we're talking about the great things that God has done in our lives and in our hearts. And I know most of the time we get up, stumble to the bathroom, look at ourselves in the mirror and go, but, uh, and then we go about our day, but maybe, maybe just before we get ready to come to worship, before we get in our cars, I have a long commute. I walk 15 feet uh, over here. But as you get in your car, take a minute as a family or as individuals and say, okay, we're getting ready to go worship God. Let's focus on what he's done in our lives. And, and, that, and to maybe redirect so that when we hit the doors, we're already in a praiseful uh, attitude. We're already thinking about entering and doing thanksgiving. This word thanksgiving is todah. It's not uh, thanksgiving day. Uh, some have tried to make it that, but it's not. It's a confession literally to speak words of praise. So this got me to thinking. I put a heart here with some question marks just for way of discussion maybe after this sermon. Should there be a portion in the sermon, not in the sermon, in the portion of the worship service where people have the opportunity to give thanks to him? It's possible that they did this at, at, one, at any level or at some level, they were doing that as they came in. Hey, look what God's done in my life. This is what God's done. I'm so grateful to him. And, and that really speaks to the attitude. That really speaks to the attitude of the worshiper. Because you can actually come to worship and not worship at all. You can come in maybe with your burden, and God cares about your burdens. But maybe in the future, maybe next Sunday, the Sundays after, that we just take a minute or two to get our minds geared on worship. And as we enter, we have this attitude of joy. And then he mentions the word praise. Teila, teila. And this, this word can be interpreted four ways. And I've got to get this up here because uh, I'm going to read this to you exactly as I received it. Um, this word, teila, can refer to words uh, that could mean renown. Renown 
words that characterize a person, that's possible. It could refer to deeds, second way it can be interpreted, that are worthy of praise, and that's certainly a possibility. It can mean praise outright in the sense of speaking words of excellent about, excellence about another person, in this case, praising God. But I think there's a fourth way that's overlooked, and I think it might be what is intended here. And that refers to the glory or the doxa of God. A manifestation of power. This is directly from the Hebrew systemic languages. A manifestation of power which causes wonder. Now what I want to get to on a personal level this week. I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, Audrey's car died on us about a week and a half ago in Savoy. As a matter of fact, right, right down the road from uh, our state farm agent, Todd Jacob. That's not a promotion for him. but um, So I called Todd and I said, our car, this doesn't look good. Uh, it was making a noise and then it completely died. I did get there in Savoy, right across from the uh, uh, firehouse, the fire station. So Todd said, don't worry, I'll have the car towed and it towed to my mechanic. My mechanic the next day called me and said, your engine shot. And he said, what you need to do is you need to send it to Napleton's. And I met a girl named Angel, by the way. <laughs> um, this is what Angel texted me on Tuesday of this week. She had told me when I was there that it could be eight to $13,000 to replace the engine. And this is what she wrote to me, and I'm just reading off my account. The engine has failed for the bearing clearance test, which is not good. That means we are submitting to Hyundai for an engine replacement. I said, wow. If they approve the engine, you won't owe us anything. An hour and 15 minutes later, it's been approved. My response, I am a pastor, and all I can say is, praise God. Thank you so much. And she said, it's been my pleasure. And I said, thank you, Angel. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. The engine is in, but it's going to take a couple of weeks because they've got... Uh, do you realize that that's just one moment in time when God showed up and did something? That was a major thing that God showed up. So yeah, we need to praise him and give him glory. Even in the moments when it may not seem that big and it may seem insignificant, God shows up in a period of time and gives you a blessing. That's, that car had 200,000 miles on it. I was thinking the day before, and I prayed, I said, God, if there's, any, uh, if there's any way, please let her car be saved because the outside of the car is in good shape, the inside's in good shape, the only thing that's wrong with it is the engine. They are replacing an $8,000 to $13,000 engine. Is that not an amen? That, I, I, I don't think any of you could probably top that this week, but... <laughs> But, 
He does that stuff for you guys and gals all the time. And we got it. That's why I'm so thankful this morning. I mean, I'm just praising him for that event. Then we get into the next uh, part of this. It is our attitude coming to worship with thanksgiving and praise. And to think about all the things that he has done for us. And uh, the next one we want to look at is gratitude. Gratitude. Give thanks. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Give thanks, yada. Now, I know I throw this stuff out there. It's just because that's the way I preach. And people like it. So they seem to like it. This is a verb. Obviously, it's in the hephile form. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. Well, I'll tell you what it means now. The hephile form refers to the grammatical voice of the language. So in other words, this is not just give thanks. This is give thanks. It's something that is verbalized. And when you add with the definition, the definition of that word yada, to throw like a shooting arrow or cause an object to go into the air. So when he says, give thanks, give thanks, O God of Jerusalem. He's telling us to project that. That hephile verb means a voice moment. There's other, language, there's other stems to it, but the issue here is that we are to vocalize God and how great and give him thanks and to give him praise. The second word he uses here is the word bless or berak. Berak. That's how they say it in Hebrew. And berak means to be or go to a stance. And this is directly from the Semitic languages. To be or go to a stance in which one is on the knees as contrasted with standing on the feet with the back straight or bent. So the psalmist is using this image. What does this image convey to you? To me it conveys submission. And you are praising the one that gave you the blessings that you have. We don't often get on our knees to praise him. But maybe we could do that inwardly as we worship. That is, that, that we see God so high and exalted and lifted up, and, and we want to project that. And we want to share that, not only with each other, because this is, this is corporate worship that this psalmist is talking about. People are coming in. You just get this, you get this sense. As I went back and studied it, looked at the words in detail, you get the sense that these people were excited to be at worship. And then when they got in, they got down and they said, thank you, we give thanks to you. Yodehave, we give thanks to you. We give glory to you. You could get this sense of, I bet you it wasn't quiet. And Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to go back and we need to examine our own hearts 
as we come through those doors. I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I'm just saying maybe go back and examine. When I come into the church on Sunday morning to think about, stop and think, I'm getting ready to go worship God. Think about all the great things he has done. And he did a big thing in my life this week, or last week actually, but I've been holding it for a week. Because I knew I was getting to this portion of the sermon. I was like, okay. And we were definitely worried about it. We were worried about it, and God came through. Give thanks and bless his name, Barak. This was a long time ago. I heard this a pastor. I don't know where it was at, but I think it's true. An attitude of ingratitude is the first sign of a spiritual problem. An attitude of ingratitude, I don't like that, I don't want that, I don't need that. That is the first sign of a spiritual problem because the response to God's grace should naturally be praise you. you know, listen, listen. God saved you. Do you realize that? He saved me. And in that moment, he set our destiny, not only for this life, but for the life to come. And so the believer, and we all have to be checked at times, even me, we have to be checked. But here's the issue. If you're not happy and you're not joyful and you are resentful of things and you do, you have this negative attitude, that's a sign of a spiritual problem. Paul says, or James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials. We cannot let ourselves, and we cannot let Satan, there's a word that's not mentioned from the pulpit much. We cannot allow Satan and his schemes to rob us of our joy. You know what? Satan wants you to be miserable. He wants you to be unhappy with God. He wants you to get angry. He wants all of these emotions. And yet when I come to the psalmist, which was written, I don't know, maybe 700 BC in that ballpark, somewhere 1,700, he says right here, this is what worship looks like. You just see all these mass of people as they're coming in, they're worshiping, they're praising him. That's how we worship. Why we worship in the first three verses was he is supreme God and he is our creator. And as we come into the worship service, bam, should be joyful. Should be joyful. So I do believe an attitude of ingratitude is the first sign of a spiritual problem. Uh, when you go home today and uh, again, others... We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for how, why you do things for us and how you care for us. And beyond giving your mothers praise and thanking them, and, uh, and I know some of, your, uh, some of you, your mothers are no longer here. They're with Jesus. Uh, you, you can still reflect on that. Um, but when you go home today, think about God's blessing and just talk about how richly God has blessed you. And... A second reason, or a second, I guess you could say reason, uh, for worshiping this way is because he is good. He is good. 
For the Lord is good. That word good is tov. It can mean morally good, beautiful, festive, generous, but in light of the context, it probably means generous. He is morally good. God is holy. There is no sin within him. So he is morally good. And is not God beautiful? Saturday morning, part of the Mother's Day Bonanza, we went over to uh, Homer Lake. And they were, it was a, we were looking at different birds. And they were catching birds in a net. And they, you know, it kind of scared me. I said, is this safe? (laughs) But they would, Audrey actually got to pet a bird. And there were all different kinds of birds. They, they caught three or four. Uh, there's the brown bird, the brown, the brown cow bird. The brown cow bird lays its eggs in another bird's nest and lets them... <laughs> kind of funny. But the, then they would let these, these little kids, there were some little kids there, and they'd let the kids let the birds go, and those birds took off. (laughs) They were were out of there. But when you looked at each one of those birds, you know what I saw? I said it. Look what God did. Look at that. And you see this little bitty bird. You you actually hold the bird like this with its neck there. You don't crush it. You just hold it like that. And then you can let the bird go. It's really fascinating. God is beautiful. And what he has done in our lives when you think about God how can God care so much about each person well that's what makes him God God cares about your life his steadfast love endures forever steadfast love is the word for hesed And it should be translated. Some commentators got this wrong, at least in my understanding. It can be translated and should be translated loyal love. That loyal love was demonstrated. The Hesed love of God was demonstrated at Mount Sinai. And that's why some believe that this goes back to Mount Sinai after the Exodus and being able to worship in the, in the temple. Let me remind us of something this morning. That God loves you. God loves you. Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God doesn't love you today and not like you tomorrow. God loves you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, until, until you meet the author face to face. And then we spend eternity praising him giving glory it endures forever the psalmist writes steadfast love 
So as they're coming in, as they're coming in, they've got all of these emotions going on. Forever, olam, everlasting, without end. Yes, we do things that are bad. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we sin. Yes, we stumble. And sometimes we fall. But you know what? You can always count on the love of God. You never outrun that love. You never go before it. You never go behind it. You are always in the love of God. And sometimes God disciplines us. And we think, wow, why is God doing that? But does it because he loves us. Mothers, you have to discipline your kids. You do that because you love them. And you want them to reflect on you. That's why you do it. One of my favorite verses, and I've read it by many people, um, I think of Pate McKenzie in my first church years ago, and it has been years ago. She was, she was dying of liver cancer, and I sat down next to her bed, and maybe I've done this every time uh, I want to remind people of this verse. It's, uh, the, these verses are very powerful. And she grabbed my hand afterwards and she said, thank you. Remember the day of her funeral, we were in a little area and there was a glass window and there was snow there in Cuyahoga Falls near Akron, Ohio. There was this beautiful tapestry of snow and I, I said, if you can look at our great image here, Pate, her sins are as white as snow because of what Christ did. This is the verse, the verses. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Know this. If you hear nothing else of this sermon today, know this. That God loves you. You are his child. You don't always do it right. We don't always bring our A game. But I'm telling you what. God always brings his A game. For us. Because he loves us. Not only that. Not only that, not only do we have God's love, but we have God's faithfulness. Imura, his faithfulness to all generations. That means those that will come continually forward until the time of Christ. After that, even now, such a popular psalm. Imura refers to God's trustworthiness or his dependability to care and love his children. I don't know if you, many of you may not even know the guy I'm getting ready to put up here. Uh, most of you men probably do. I know the Deacon Kent and Brother Larry and myself and maybe some of you others will instinctively know this guy when I put his picture up here. You know who that is? He's, <laughs> he's a Yankee and Dodgers don't like Yankees. This is Mariano Rivera. 
hands down was one, and I, I, I looked it up. And, 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 and in fact, Trevor Hoffman had 601 saves. The next in line would be a cub, if you remember this name, Lee Smith. Lee Smith had 478. Now, Brother John, I'm with you. He shut down the Braves in the 99 World Series, and I didn't like him either. But when he came in, in the ninth inning, this is what it was. He's the all-time save leader's 652 major league saves in 19 seasons. His save rate was 89.9. When he came in, you realized you got like a 10% chance of winning the game or at least tying it. And you saw him trotting in in, in that 99 World Series. He, he came in and I was like, uh, he got chipper. I, I actually went back and watched it and really had bad feelings, but... <laughs> Chipper Jones grounded out, and then he struck out, and then, then the next guy struck out, and then uh, I think it was Mark Lempley, Lemke flew out to center, and they said the Yankees have won another World Series. You may not like the guy, but he was pretty automatic. When he came in the game, you were like, uh, we're in trouble, particularly if you're down by three runs. I think his ERA was 1.9-something, I didn't quite get that. That means he gives up about a run in a nine-inning period. So that works out to pretty low batting average. He's automatic. You put him in, uh, guys would call to the bullpen, bring Rivera in. Rivera would come in, shut the game down, and they'd go to the house. But he wasn't 100%. No pitcher is 100%. He was close, but he wasn't there. L let, me, let me tell you, God is 100%. God is 100%. You can trust him. Just like the manager through the years of the Yankees would call him in, they trusted him. Yes, some of them got away, a few. But you can always trust God. God's faithful. You may not see what God is doing. You may not be aware of what God is doing. But ultimately anything that comes our way, God allows for a reason. And all I have to do, all I have to do is say, you know what? God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I've seen how you've acted through my life. You are faithful, and I can trust you, and I need to settle that in my life now, no matter what is happening or going on in your life. He's faithful, and you can trust him. Conclusion. Before we leave the house for worship, reflect on what God has done in your life. Before you enter, stop and say, I'm going to have a joyful, praiseful attitude. And when I come in, I'm going to share that. 
with the congregation. Look, none of us here are perfect. None of us. But we should turn the temperature up on our worship. There should be this joyful element. Thank God every day for the blessings that he gives you. He gives you good stuff. Because God is good. It's not always dropping an $8,000 engine in a vehicle. It may be in the small things of life that we stop and we go, that was small, but that was you, and I praise you for it. Thank God every day for the blessings that he gives you. And finally, by the way, this is a summary of what I just said for 35 minutes. And remember, even when things are difficult in life, God is faithful and he will carry you through the storms. And in this, we discover the goodness of God.